This episode of Market Foolery is brought to you by Molecule, the world's first molecular air purifier that reduces symptoms for allergy and asthma sufferers. For $75 off your first order, visit molekule.com and enter the discount code FOOL. It's Monday, September 17th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analysts Andy Cross and Jim Mueller. Gentlemen, welcome. How you feeling? Hey, great. Matt. You ready? You ready for Monday? Sure. Is it Monday already? Yeah. It is Monday bring, already. Bring Come it. on. You got to okay. I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it. We're going to talk some Amazon. There's one analyst making some noise about maybe Amazon breaking itself up. So I want to get into that with y'all and figure out if y'all think that's a good idea. And then we've got Coca-Cola getting into potentially a new line of business. Optionality. Isn't that, isn't that what we call it? Optionality, that's right. Okay, well, this is a different sort of optionality, but let's begin with Tesla. Jim Mueller, a few things going on with this company. We have the news that Saudi Arabia's sovereign wealth fund has invested $1 billion in Tesla rival Lucid Motors. Okay, so file that away. Okay. And now for what some may consider the slightly better news, we may even term this as progress. On Sunday, in response to a customer complaint about a delay in delivery, Tesla founder and CEO Elon Musk tweeted that Tesla, quote, has gone from production hell to delivery logistics hell. But this problem is far more tractable." End quote. So, Jim, sounds like progress. Well, it sounds like a tour through Dante's... <laughs> it sounds like a tour through Dante's uh, Nine Circles, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> the Tesla story for the last few months. Yeah, right. Uh, so, uh, production hell. Well, let's start there. Uh, production hell. Uh, the, Tesla had, for a couple of quarters, uh, had uh, Elon Musk saying, we're going to reach 5,000 cars, Model 3s, uh, built each week. And they missed it for a couple of quarters. They finally made it at the end of June, just before the second quarter ended. Uh, but in August, uh, they said they're going to produce between 50 and 55,000 Model 3s for the third quarter. And if you do the math, that's about 4,600 per week. So they're not at the full 5,000 uh, for the third quarter. And in 2019, they uh, really want to and, and almost need to uh, produce much more, um, as many as 10,000 a week, uh, to satisfy all the demand. But they, 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 they seem to be doing all right there, and so that's where he says that we've been moving on. The next thing is, okay, you're producing 55,000 cars, how do you get them to the customers? And that's the delivery logistics uh, hell that he's talking about. So, and he's right. That is an easy, a more easily solved problem. Uh, you get the cars out, um, and it's just a matter of uh, getting the right uh, shipping out and notifying the customers on when when to pick up and so on. But this uh, Musk was responding to this one customer who said he had been told on the eighth, and then the fifteenth, and the twentieth, and twenty second, and now it's delayed. And so, what's going on? He says basically, sorry, but uh, it shouldn't be too. Should, be, should not be too much longer. Then the third hell that not even you didn't even mention is, uh, well, what about all the spare parts? I mean, more and more cars out there that get into accidents, you have to have repairs. And so Musk also tweeted over the weekend, I think it was over the weekend, that um, he wants collision repairs to be done in-house. Mm -hmm. And that means they have to uh, provide somebody, either their own repair uh, group or uh, your local mechanics uh, with spare parts. And so that might be a third hill that has to come through because Musk said that hasn't been a top priority yet. 
So, so Andy, let's let's put this in perspective though. Three circles of hell there. But when you look <laughs> at shares of Tesla, shares of Tesla still up around seventy eight percent over the past five years. It's been a rough last year, down around twenty one percent. But this has been an incredible stock. Yeah, and and driven so much by the vision of Elon Musk. I mean, he just is embodies all of uh, what uh, he wants to do with Tesla. And he's the largest shareholder. My my biggest concern with Tesla is just continues to be the funding needs. Whether it's repairs in house, continuing to build out new factories, new initiatives, just to be able to get through all of the operational logistics, the funding need with the amount of cash the company continues to burn and their balance sheet weakening, and the interest of who would want to fund the growth picture for Tesla continues to be a concern of mine, which is why I'm lukewarm on the shares these days. Well, I'm not only lukewarm, I'm actually uh, short just a handful of shares. Uh, but that's that's a uh, that's a short-term investment uh, right. idea of mine, and it's based on the the, we, uh, the, the weakening balance sheet, yeah. uh, the two billion or so they have in cash, but they're burning well over three and a half billion a year. Yeah, uh, they don't have much more debt that they can pull in from their uh, the debt co- the. Uh, the debt they have available right now, so they're going to have to, if they want to keep on spending like they need to, to grow to 10,000 cars a week, uh, Model 3s, they're going to have to go back to the equity or debt markets. And at that point, I, ex- I would expect uh, Musk to finally cave in and say, yeah, we have to do it. Yeah, and one thing we've talked about internally here and talked publicly and, and on our services is the need for uh, Elon Musk to have a really strong second operator, a number two in charge. He the Tesla has lost a few of their key executives mm-hmm. over the last year. So, to really get a person in to work with Elon to help him through all these operational challenges is a very important point. If you think that he can do that and is willing to do that, then the future for Tesla, in my mind, becomes much brighter. But until that happens, oh. uh, uh, I'm a little not quite as excited with the shares today. In my mind as well. I mean, if he gets a. Uh, I've heard that he has an operator at uh, SpaceX, so he doesn't have to be on top of everything there. But he doesn't have a similar person uh, like uh, uh, Steve Jobs had with uh, Tim Cook uh, back in the day. Uh, he doesn't have a, a, a Tim Cook at Tesla to uh, to run the company day to day, and he really needs that because, frankly, his his distractions are are hurting the company and hurting shareholders. And, and when you kind of move back from that, um, and I hear you talking about his need for a number two, but when you look at Musk, along with his vision, I think it's fair to say a lot of people would say, you know, the guy behaves kind of erratically. You never quite know what you're getting. So, at what point with a founder-led business, at what point do you say, you know what, it's time for the founder to relinquish his or her CEO roles and step back from running the business. Is there a point that you look at and say, you know what, Musk is no longer the right guy to run this business? Well, let's not forget, he's still a very young entrepreneur and young leader. I think he's less than 50 years old. So he still has, I mean, years and years to be able to continue to drive what he originally thought with Tesla, not to mention what's happening over at SpaceX. So I'm willing to give founders who have success. With their vision, a lot of of room to be able to continue to grow the company and take it where they want to go. I just think that uh, they do need 
operational help to be able to drive that vision. Clearly, um, uh, over at Facebook with Shale Sandberg helping out Mark Zuckerberg is a, is a great example. So as long as he can find that kind of help, the future for Tesla is far brighter than it is right now. Yeah, he doesn't need to step down as CEO, but as Andy says, if he is a strong operator that'll uh, do the day-to-day -day stuff, yes. uh, then, yeah, the, the company should do well. Okay, well, let's talk about another founder-led business, Amazon. In a note to clients on Monday, City Research says Amazon should split itself up to reduce the risk of regulation and increase shareholder value. City analyst Mark May says by separating the retail and Amazon web service businesses, Amazon could minimize or avoid the risk of increased regulatory pressure. Andy Cross. What do you think about this idea of Amazon breaking itself up? Well, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, and it's not new. For the last five years, analysts at various times have called for uh, Amazon Web Service to be spun off. But this note is new. This note is new. Don't throw a wet blanket I'm on not, this story. Well, I'm not, and I mean, <laughs> it's it's the note is is new, and and the regulatory issues are different than what they were a few years ago. But just for context, Morgan Stanley talked about this in November 2014, and they pegged uh, Amazon Web Services worth about $32 billion in enterprise value. And that was when Amazon was at $150 billion in enterprise value. Today, that's worth almost a trillion dollars. So, this is why I think the Amazon Web Services getting spun off by Jeff Bezos and his team is not a story that I will entertain anytime soon, is because Amazon Web Services is the real growth engine behind and the Amazon story. You just think of the last quarter, it was up 50% in accelerated growth, revenue growth for the, for the last three quarters. It is growing so fast. It is so part of the ecosystem of Amazon, helping support all of the e-commerce initiatives, all the initiatives where Jeff Bezos wants to go into, whether it's video or other initiatives. Um, Prime, for example, uh, it's such a part of the Amazon story that the likelihood to spin it off anytime soon, especially as they've now now crossed a billion dollars in market cap value, I think is not Trillion. likely. Trillion dollars. And Andy, it's I want to go likely. back to something you just said there, because May did estimate in this note from Citi, he said that the enterprise value for Amazon's retail segment estimated around $400 billion, and for Amazon Web Services, $600 billion. So, it's amazing to me as, and I'm an Amazon shareholder, but now, you know, Amazon Web Services more valuable than Amazon Retail? Well, Amazon, sorry, just to jump in, the profitability behind Amazon Web Services now is north of 20%, 25% versus the rest of the business or the North American business, which is less than 3% profit margin. So, it's more profitable, it's growing faster. I mean, it's a real gem inside Amazon. So, you'd think that the valuation of that business is. At least as high as a larger e-commerce business. It's going to be higher, definitely. Towards that, uh, the web service uh, AWS has provided about sixty percent of uh, the five billion dollars in operating profit the whole company brought in for the first half, and that grew sixty-eight percent year over year and seventy-nine percent for the second quarter. Yeah. So, I mean, the, uh, AWS is operating profit. So, it's a big driver. Another uh, thing to consider is that uh, uh, CFO Brian uh, Olsavsky. I think that's how you say his last name. Uh, anyway, he po he points out that the Amazon is, if not the biggest customer of AWS, certainly one of the largest. And so, if if they are forced to split, then Amazon's going to have to build, either pay market prices for uh, AWS's products and services, or build their own infrastructure. 
and uh, going the other direction on this symbiotic uh, relationship. Amazon is also a great beta tester for everything that AWS wants to bring forth. Mm -hmm. And so there, there's a there's real uh, strong arguments for keeping them together. And also, um, to that point, Mac, is that uh, if they did separate it, it would it would build out a little. It would bring a little bit more scrutiny into that that link up, and I'm not so sure if they really want to go there from a competitive position. Now, I do I could see how a lot of retailers who might use AWS would say, "Why are we giving business to one of our biggest competitors?" Especially as those other retailers who might be using Amazon Web Services to grow their e-commerce business continue to put more resources towards e-commerce. However, I think the tie-in with AWS. AWS and Amazon is so strong and such a part of the story that a spinoff um, anytime soon is unlikely. Guys, before we talk about our final story, I want to give a quick thanks to Molecule. Molecule has introduced a breakthrough science that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level. Molecule makes a real difference for asthma and allergy sufferers. It helps them better cope with their conditions and significantly reduces their symptoms. One customer has reportedly said that after using Molecule in her home, that she was able to breathe through her nose for the first time in 15 years. And Jim Mueller, I know that you use Molecule in your home, and is it fair to say that you are a satisfied customer? Yeah, that's fair to say. I like I like the uh, the clean air that the 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 device puts out. Excellent. Who does not like clean air? Well, if you <laughs> like clean air, you like Molecule, and Molecule is easy to use and has a clean and sleek design. For seventy five dollars off your first order, visit m o l e k u l e dot com and enter the word fool. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E dot com, and use the promo code FOOL. And guys, for our final story, I want to talk Coca-Cola and cannabis. Those are two, <laughs> two words, two phrases I didn't think I'd be using together um, on Monday. Bloomberg reporting that Aurora Cannabis, a cannabis producer in Canada, is in talks with Coca-Cola to produce health-focused drinks that will ease inflammation, pain, and cramping. Shares of Aurora Cannabis up around 13% at the time of this taping. Now, guys, I was initially going to scoff at this story, and then I was walking around the office, as I tend to do, and I talked to our colleague David Kretzman, and he has this service, Marijuana <laughs> Mavericks, and he's like, you know what? It's it's more of a like a Gatorade sort of thing. It helps you recuperate, and there's this medicinal side. So, what do we think? What do we think about this partnership? Well, do note that this is not going to be the psychoactive part of uh, marijuana. It's just going to be uh, CBD, cannabidiol, I think is how you say that. Uh, and it's that that is providing the uh, the pain relief and the inflammation relief. Doesn't really get you high. No, right? no. So, well, Mac, you know what's interesting to me about this is the continuation of Coca Cola. To broaden out where it is spending its resources into businesses that are going to provide growth that it has been lacking over the last few years. And we saw its recent uh, proposed investment um, of Costa Coffee in the UK, I think it's more than $5 billion uh, worth. Uh, U.S. dollars worth, and that's another spot that they are investing because that's where the growth is. Because their core business really has been stagnant at best over the last few years; it's not getting any better. So they have to be able to to put resources into areas that are going to be much more exciting from the growth line for investors to be able to support that three percent dividend yield. Uh, it's very pro very profitable business, but they have to find the growth. 
Yeah, so uh, sugary drinks, as you know, are, are falling by the wayside, and so they've gotten into water, they've gotten into orange juice. This is just a, another way to get more drinks, sell more drinks to more customers. And it seems like the, the backlash against bottled water is starting. Is that fair to say? I mean, I, 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 I feel don't know. bad. I, I feel yes. bad about drinking I, bottled water. You go to the airports and they have like the dispensers now. Yeah, I, yes. I never use bottled water. So is that true? Yeah. You just like you don't. I buy a diet coke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We've started we started using now uh, when we instead of bottled water you can buy water in a box which is far more um, friendly for the environment. Is that Actually, really water in a box? Is yeah. that what we've come to? It's fine. That's, it's well, going to be better than wine in a box. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you just like tap water? Just like put your mouth <laughs> under the faucet and you know let it rip. We have a soda stream at home, so I don't even buy much Diet Coke anymore. Um. And and do you use do you make your own soda? Or are you yeah. doing that? Yeah. And are you happy with that? Oh, we've used it for five or six years. I don't know. I don't get soda stream. I don't get it. The, the, one of the best decisions I made is I just I basically quit drinking soda twenty years ago, That's and I have it every smart. now and then. But yeah. you know, I love water. There's yeah. water is great. Yeah. And so you always have to give me a reason not to drink water. Yes. You know, wine or beer. Okay, maybe. But yeah. beyond that, I didn't. Yeah, you just know. want some water, just infused with, with a little bit of CBD, and yeah, you know, there you then go. You, right? Wow, yeah, health so. focused. I <laughs> yeah, like that. Exactly. You know. Now, now we should add that you know, Coca Cola stock up around forty percent over the past five years, including the dividend. So, I mean, that sounds respectable, but it's lost to the market. So, to your point, Andy, I mean, they, they got to kind of try something. Well, right? it's not just lost. I mean, it's lost substantially the market. The market's up more than 70%, not even including the dividend. So, Coke has lost, their, they've lost relevance, frankly, Mac. And this is one of the most relevant companies over the last you know, 20, 30 years. So, the market's shifting. There's a huge potential going on in the cannabis industry. Um, in October, when uh, Canada becomes the first major uh, country, um, group of Seven country to legalize um, uh, marijuana use and cannabis use. It's just a huge opportunity. A lot of companies are, are starting to look into that space, and clearly, Coke is again starting to make some investments that would hopefully fuel um, the the growth and get them a little bit get that growth a little higher. Mac, get that growth a little bit higher. I see what you did yep. there. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, uh, but also, I think uh, Coke is uh, following. Uh, Almost being forced to follow what other companies are doing. Molson Coors, for instance, is paired up with uh, Hydro Hydropothecary yeah. and Constellation Brands put $4 billion into canopy growth. And uh, some people are thinking that uh, Anheuser Busch is going to uh, do a similar kind of investment. So if, if Coca Cola wants to remain one of the, the drink giants of the, of the world, then it has to do something here. That's right. Okay, guys, let's close with my desert island question. You should never invest this way at home. This is an incredibly arbitrary question. Let me get all the caveats out and let me hit you with these companies. If you're on a desert island for the next five years and you can only buy one of these stocks Tesla, Amazon, Coca Cola, or Aurora Cannabis. I'll go Amazon. And if it is split, I'd go AWS. Okay. Consensus, consensus between the two analysts. Yes, I would say Amazon, even at a trillion dollar market cap, just the growth rates. And yeah. AWS is really the not clearly they have a lot of excitement in that business overall, Amazon's business, but AWS is the fuel behind so much of that. But it sounds like you don't think it's going to split anytime soon. No. I don't think so. Okay, well, there you go. So, if see practical knowledge here, if you're on a desert <laughs> island and you have to invest in one of those five companies, hey, we, we told you. We well, told you it, so. Well, if it splits after you get on the desert island, well, at least you own both parts. That's right. There you go. Guys, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Mac. Thanks.
markitflory at fool.com is our email if you have thoughts on our Desert Island poll or any questions or comments about anything that you've heard on the show, marketfoolery at fool.com. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.